Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. We're going to be looking at this last part of this series. Um, we're going to be looking at where the blessing today. Uh, how do you wear the blessing? I'm going to stay in the same vein I was in last week, breaking the spirit of poverty, okay? And that is something that our culture in which we live has worshipped as poverty. And what do you mean by that? I feel like church culture, not meaning to, has worshipped it in a way. Uh, especially from, if you, went, if you was in church 30 years ago, you know exactly what I'm talking about, is that uh, it, it looked bad to have something. You know, God wants you to be blessed. They don't mean that you need to be filthy rich with millions of dollars just living at the beach somewhere all the time. That's meant for some people. I guess my call is not that. Amen. And uh, neither is yours. Or you'd be at the beach living there. So um, I'm just joking. Maybe one day it'll be there. So I don't want to take that away from you today. But God wants you blessed in so many ways. And we got to be happy and celebrate people when they are blessed. Uh, also, we seen scripturally two weeks ago when... Uh, we looked at owners versus managers that we actually own nothing. We don't have anything in this earth, that God owns it all. God has allowed you to manage what you manage. He has blessed you to manage that. You have to look at that as your job. If you're with kids, God has allowed you to steward kids. Whether you're a coach, that's a favorable position, especially in this younger generation. I, I, I really believe that. Um, then you look at hospitals, you look at the people you're around in life, and it's just so true. And a lot of people say, well, if I can just make more money, you know, everybody, you'll never have enough money. Even if every bill's paid off and you got millions, you'll never want to have enough money. That's why you bring God the tenth, the tenth percent. Why? Because then you're dependent upon his supernatural ability that it will be enough and that greed will be broken off your life. Money's not evil. It's the love of money. The tithe is already God's, and I told him in the first service, and no one smiled. Y'all probably ain't going to smile this service. Uh, but anyways, I won't say it anyhow. If you, if you don't bring God the tithe, it comes out of your hide, right? I, I've heard that before. See, you all done better with that, but I prepared you. I believe I shocked them the first service. So maybe y'all a little bit more edgy, okay? Uh, but And what I mean by that is if you don't bring it to God, it's going to come out somehow. It's, the vehicle's going to break. fridge is going down. Uh, your, your, your bills will be more I mean it's just crazy uh, one way or another that's going to be lost in your life but we have talked about contagious generosity we are not owners of anything uh, that we are actually just to call to manage relationships the places that God's pushed, put us and as you manage those things well God will bless you and it's just like when the servants three of the servants the masters left he gave them all things to do and to grow up and two of them done great with it, but the one that God took, or, or the master took back that day, uh, saying, listen, all you did is bury it. The kingdom is one thing, if you don't manage it well, it will be taken from you. But we're so used to a democracy that those people that receive, or those people that do the least, is the people that get the most out of democracy. And a lot of people try to set their life up for that. And that's just not the way that we should see things or do things. But the kingdom model, God's model, is the better you do and the better you manage things, the more things you get. And a lot of people try to make it a money issue. If I just made more money, 
God's telling you, you need to be good to your boss now. Be good to the people you work with now. Honor them and work hard now, and God will bless you where you're at, and he'll increase you. It's not always about the level of income. It's about how you're managing where you're at. And that's all kingdom principles. That's all things that we see spiritually, all right? And contagious generosity is this. It's the attitude of your heart and sharing what you have with joy to reach others that those around you become infectious in giving. If you get around two, three people in your job site that always speak positive things, that'll rub off on you. But if you see those people move on from the job site and you're the only one, and you put yourself around three negative people, you'll begin to speak the negative. You're like, man, this was a good place. It's because everybody started looking for the worst in things and not the best in things. Same thing in any culture, any team that you coach, any job site that you work, those things are so true. And I want to stay in this vein of breaking the poverty mindset today. And what I mean by a poverty mindset, it's a way that we think. It's not an income level, but it's actually a level of just negativity or outlook upon things. But we're going to talk about wearing the blessing, 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18. Command those who are rich in this present age. Everybody in America is rich when you compare them to the rest of the world. So everybody in here, God's talking to you. You're watching online, he's talking to you today. He said, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or prideful, or nor to trust in uncertain riches as money. Don't just trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives richly all things to enjoy. God's gave everything on this earth for us to enjoy. And he said, let them do good, those who are rich in this present age. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give and willing to share. So generosity is always ready to give, ready to share. Now, in this text, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's letting him know, he said, listen, command those who are rich to be generous, to be willing to share. See, the Christian life is not about just what we believe. The Christian life is about what we do as well. But what we do alone will not save us, according to Scripture. That works does not save, but the Bible lets us know that faith without works is dead. In other words, you believe first, but then when you begin to act upon what you believe, they're married. You can't have one without the other. Salvation, we know, is free by belief in God. And our action is, is that we walk it out in a daily relationship with God. So it's important what we believe, but a lot of times we downplay action when it comes to the Word of God and when it comes to the way that we should live our life. The Bible says this. Jesus was saying, you'll know my disciples not because of what they believed, but because of what they did. What do you mean? He said, you'll know they're my disciples by the way they love one another. So it invokes actions. Every one of us has dreams. We have dreams and visions for our family, but then we know when we really get down to prayer that then there's things that God puts in us that we did not have. I told Kristen this week, I said, you know, we took a few days off. I said, this is a, I could go on staff somewhere and serve a pastor and be thrilled. And, but that's not where God's purposed me. And that's, that's the difference in it, that you can have a dream for yourself, but then where has God placed you? What has God put in you? You've got to separate the selfish end of yourself and what's of you and of the flesh and what is of the spirit and where God would have you and where he would bring blessing. It's the place of purpose that God's called me to is exactly where my blessed life is. I may think it should be somewhere else, but God's saying this is where I've called you to. And you might be able to scope out all these different things in the world, 
But when you put your hands to the things that God's placed in your spirit to do, there'll be more enjoyment out of it when you quit looking everywhere else and begin to discover the favor and the blessings in your life. There's not an area of my life, I'll tell you today, that there's not favor and blessings. I don't say it bragging, I just say it's how good my God is. We sing about the goodness of God today. God is that good to us, even in the storms of life, whether we've been to hell and back through sickness or all that. He's still good to us. See, we have some big dreams, a part of this church, that I believe God's given us. Dream, I'll tell you this, four years ago, we would have never done anything with private education. Ten years ago, my wife would have told you she's not even going to be involved in private education. She didn't want to do anything with them. And we've done this, and we've been blessed. All of us just fell on our lap from the building from, that was $210,000 they wanted. They, other people was offering way bigger money, and then they let us have it for $75,000. I mean, it was just like so much favor, easy to impress for. In fact, it was like one of those relaxed things. When they was kept wanting us to buy it, we really want you to have this building. I'm like, ah, all right, let me pray about it. You know, you come back, and you counter something crazy, uh, and I, you didn't even talk to your board. You just pray that your board's okay. Hey, um, we got to do this, and we got an opportunity here. I told them this is what we would do. And it's a ridiculous thing what God's done. You know, there's people called to the public school sector. There's people called to different places of, uh, of health care. There's people called to private school sector. So there's just different things. But I believe that God has given us favor to raise up a generation uh, that needs exactly what we're providing. Not everybody needs that. Not everybody's going to go to that. But it's part of our dream. It's not the whole dream. No, but we want to see poverty mindset broken in our culture. We're believing God for more jobs. Uh, we're believing God for more industry. We're believing for God to bless the industries that's here. We're believing God to let lives be changed, okay? But some people believe that in order to follow Christ, that we need to take a vow to be poverty. That would be like taking a vow to be sick or taking a vow to live in bondage. See, the spirit of poverty doesn't want you to die, but the spirit of poverty wants to keep you in a place where you just have enough to get by and you're always needy. I can never do anything for anyone because I have enough just for me and mine. Remember when the woman with the meal and the oil, she said, I just got enough for me and my son, we're going to fix it and die. And he's like, if you make me a cake first. You know, the man of God came by and said, if you make me a cake first, she had to buy into it. Well, what's it going to hurt? It's just one last meal. She never ran out until the days of famine was gone. Never ran out of oil, never ran out of meal in the barrel. There's something about putting the things of God first. So we've magnified miracles in the church world as well. And there's times we need miracles. Have you ever prayed for a miracle not gotten up, Pastor? Yes. Have you ever prayed for miracles and received them? Yes. Have there been times that you've needed miracles? Yes. Have there been times you haven't needed a miracle? That's right. There's times I haven't. Miracles are not as the sun rising or the sun sitting. That's just what God does. Miracles is not me laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. That's what God does. There's times that he, he doesn't. I don't understand all that. But there's things that God just does in the blessed life that he wants us to wear the blessing. And I believe if you're in need of a miracle, God will do that, that he can. There's times that I've seen him do it. There's times I've seen him not do it. But a lot of conversations surrounding Christians are this, I'm in need of a miracle. Think about when you're in need of that miracle, where you're at in that moment. It's one of the most desperate moments of your life. You're like, this is what we need. And whether it's provided or not, it was one of the most desperate moments of your life. I'm believing God for my miracle. And please hear me, I believe in that. 
But miracle living, if you constantly stay in the mindset of miracle living, miracle living is wilderness living. You're like, what do you mean by wilderness living? Miracle living, if you're always waiting on a miracle, that is wilderness living. The only time you need a miracle is when you're in a bad spot. See, I don't need a miracle if I'm standing on fertile ground. And even those that stand on fertile ground, there'll be seasons that you need a miracle. But God does not want you to live your entire life from miracle to miracle. That's not God's plan. See, I understand that seed, time, harvest, when I'm living in a place of blessing, that God can meet all my needs according to his riches and glory. You know, how could we walk around with a poverty mindset when God says that he can meet all his needs according to riches? God will never tell us that he's bankrupt. He will never tell us that he's out of something. If you're standing on good ground, you simply work what you know. The problem is, is when I'm standing in a desert place, seeds will not produce. And our faith is not brought us to a place of good fertile ground, but our mindset has bought in that I'm always in a desert place and my seeds will never grow. And as long as you're there, then you always will live in the wilderness living and always have to go from miracle to miracle. We see this play out with the children of Israel. A 13-day journey turned into 40 years. God's plan was not 40 years for them to be there. He told them repeatedly, but he had to teach them how to trust him. But while they was there, they lived off miracles. In the wilderness, the children of Israel had no way of making shoes. That God had to do the miraculous. Well, what do you mean? The Bible says in those 40 years, their shoes never wore out. That's a miracle. I got a certain pair of shoes I will only wear once I get out of the vehicle and put them on. Because the way I sit in the vehicle, my feet go sideways, and I scuff the sides of them, the soles. I know you all don't do that. Well, what made you start doing it? I got sick of buying new shoes all the time because I like for my shoes to look good. So I started doing it to manage them well. God allowed me to buy them. I'm like, I need to manage them well. So I wear another pair of shoes, put on those shoes when I get out of the car because the way I lay my feet, I know everybody don't do that. I was talking to one preacher one day. Well, my feet lay like this. I said, listen, the only way I can drive is my left foot goes like this. And when my other foot is not on the gas, or the brakes, it goes like this. And I'm scratching them. That's why I do that. I know none of the rest of y'all are all saved, and your, your shoes are a continual miracle. Mine's not. In the wilderness season, there was no rivers flowing for them. So what does God do? He'd have to bring water out of a rock. In fact, they had no economic system, and they could not grow anything because he's in the desert in the wilderness. And he miraculously rains down manna from heaven every day for them to eat so they could survive. Not only that, they didn't have actual housing. So God provided a fire by night and a cloud by day. The miracles of God sustained them. If you know how to work the system of God and what God has given you, you've you got to understand you don't have to live from miracle to miracle. You really don't have to live from miracle to miracle. There are certain things because you're just blessed that God's going to do. And I'm talking about relationships. I'm talking about finances. I'm talking about jobs. I'm talking about surroundings. I'm talking about emotional health, physical health. I'm talking about there's just a place that we can live that's better when we have the right mindset and we are living the place that's not wilderness living but a place 
where the milk and honey flow in a place of promises. Jesus died on the cross, not for us to live miracle after miracle, but he died on the cross that all of our needs would be met according to his riches and glory, that we would seek first the kingdom of God and his way of living, his righteousness, which is right way of living, then he will give us everything that we have need of that we don't even need to worry about tomorrow. That says a lot. Because I'll go ahead and tell you how many of you all this week, and I'll be the first to admit it. I'll go ahead and raise my hand. How many of you all had just a slight bit of worry this week? Just it hit for a moment. Okay, we had a few of them. See? We're being real today. We're talking about shoes, talking about worry. We're doing good. So if you're living from miracle to miracle, it means that you are never entering a good land. But listen. God's goal is to take you to the wilderness and provide you with the miracles, but then God wants to bring you to the place. Because as you mature in God, he wants to bring you to the place of resources, the place of food, the place where the flowing is good. Let's look at a proverb today. Proverb 10, 15. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. We understand that everything in the kingdom is owned by the king. We've already went over that. Management is the key to life. When we look at everything, I don't own any of it, but God owns it all. I am to manage it the way God would have me to manage it. You know, there's some things, if God would just drop into your life that's full of favor and blessing, you would never be able to honor the things you have now. I think sometimes God allows you to have bad relationships. They have bad jobs, even though you managed it well, allow you to be in bad places. And sometimes you, what you think is friends, he'll allow you to have friends that's not that loyal. So that when you do get friends that are loyal, then you appreciate them. I am thankful today for the relationships in my life and the friendships that I have. I would not be able to honor them the way that I do if I had not been burnt a few times in my life. Can I get an amen? All right. So as citizens, we are of the kingdom. We are managers and not owners. But we have learned in this series that God will come back and check on what he's entrusted you to manage. In other words, we know that God oversees our life. He has the ability to see everything, but God's watching the way we manage things. I was burnt really bad on staff at a place one time in church. And I'm thankful for that six months of misery. I mean, I was burnt bad. But if it wasn't for that six months of misery, I would not be able to pastor the way I can today. I learned some of the most valuable things then. Not just bad things that was done, but I've seen a lot of good. But there were some bad things and hurtful things I had to go through that allowed me to learn how to manage that. And, and we're always looking for the next best thing. But God says the next best thing, it'll come. But manage what you're managing now the best that you know how. See, oftentimes God's favor shows up in our life through a person that has been watching you and, and you manage with excellence on a smaller level. And next thing you know, they open up a door to a bigger level for you. I, I didn't go into a lot of detail uh, in the first service, but when I was like 19 years old and 20, I had this job that they started offering me things all over. They, they tried to offer me a job where I've been over 400 employees. I was to manage them. I mean, I would have been the manager there. This is the kicker. I knew it wasn't God's purpose for me to go. Man, it looked good. We're talking about 45 minutes from New York City, one of them. Another one, New Orleans, you know, the crazy city down there. That didn't really catch my interest at all. Uh, but, you know, I was just looking at all these different cities. And for 10 years after that, while I'm in the ministry, been successful, even to the day I came to this church, I believe the first year or two, and I've been here almost 12 years, that they would call me to come and do management for them. 
That's crazy. If the church world doesn't make room for the gift, or if you won't make your room for your gift even in the church, then what will happen, the world will use it. If you don't watch, the world's always looking to use your gift. When your gift, your time, your talent, and your treasure, your time, your talent, and your treasure needs to be used in the kingdom. Don't get me wrong, it's okay if the world gets some of it. It's okay. I'm not saying take it, but that was trying to get me to sell out to the world with what God has placed in me. There was an anointing in me that brought favor, but that favor was connected to the relationship of God that I had, and I knew that. I knew God was going to do all those things. I, I could feel it. I was like, man, they're going to offer me this. They're going to do this. I'm a young man. I talked to my mom and dad about it. So I don't even know how to do this right now, but they're saying I can. And I was already over all kinds of employees doing all kinds of fun stuff. But the problem is, as many times, is that we mismanage where we are. That can even be looking outside of everything that God would have you not to look at and you become dissatisfied in your relationship with the Lord. See, all treasures are behind what we would call doors. See, we need to be problem solvers in life and not be the problem. Have you ever been, worked with someone before? They always was good at picking out a problem, but they can never solve a problem. Their pay scale, guarantee you, matched them picking out the problem. <laughs> because you get paid way more to solve problems. That's just true. The more problems you solve, the more you'll get paid. That's just life. That's the way it is. But if you're the person that can always pick out the problem but can't fix it, you'll be the lowest on the, on the pay scale at your job. You are paid for the problems you solve. God Almighty already paid for what you're worth. Because a lot of people are like, I'm not getting paid. I, I'm not getting paid what I'm worth. I'm worth way more than that around here. Listen, God's gave you what he's given you to manage where you're at. Do good and manage well. And I'm telling you, God will see fit to open doors for you that no man can shut. <laughs> manage well. If you want paid more, solve more problems. Y'all with me a little bit, I guess, on that. But Proverbs 10, 15, here it goes again. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. The church culture has worshipped poverty. Poverty is a virtue in many circles. A great testimony in many churches is how bad you got it and how everything's just horrible and life's going downhill. That's not a testimony. A testimony is this. Yeah, I've been through hell a few times, but I'm telling you, I've always found him faithful. I'm blessed on every end I look. I got favor in relationships, favor on the job, favor when I walk in the room. I am blessed. And when you look at life with that mindset, you're breaking the poverty spirit. See, our culture is already naturally negative. We've got to make a decision, not in my house, not in my church, not in my community. I will be the change. I will be the good. I will deposit good soil, good seed into the soil of the land that God's placed me. If God's placed you there, then there's good soil there. See, it's not virtuous to do those things as far as the negativity and have the poverty mentality. But you get exactly what I'm saying. But this proverb lets us know that wealth is compared to a strong city. Now, wealth is not having millions of dollars sitting at the beach somewhere. Wealth is having your needs met and more than enough. That, that's wealth. Wealth, that is wealth. God may, may choose to give you way more than what I just said. But that's wealth. Poverty, according to the proverb there, is linked to destruction. Think about this. Poverty is linked to abuse and acts of violence. 
Poverty is connected to high school dropout rate. Poverty is the reason why so many prisons are full. Poverty is the backbone of crime right, in many cities. The destruction of marriage, a house, neighborhood, a city or state, or even a nation is often connected to poverty. Uh, addiction. A lot of people fall into it because they lost their job or a mindset of poverty. What is destroying the poor? It's their poverty. If poverty is so virtuous, let me ask you this question. With the prodigal son, if you've ever, how many of you have heard of the story of the prodigal son? Where does the prodigal end up? In the pig pen. If if poverty is so virtuous, why is it that the prodigal questioned being in the pig pen? And he wanted out so bad. He even said this, even if I'm not considered a son at my father's house, if I go back, his servants eat better and live better than this. It's better than sleeping with the pigs, hanging out with the pigs, eating with the pigs. That may sound virtuous to some people, but I don't want to eat pig's food when I can have king's food. I don't want to sleep with the pigs when I can sleep in the house of God. I don't want to lay around and hang out with the pigs when my life can be full of virtuous relationships. This prodigal lost everything. Spent it all. He asked for it too early in life. Was given things he couldn't handle. Spent it all. Thinking that that was going to bring happiness and it brought him to the pig's pen. What's destroying the poor? It's their poverty. If poverty is so virtuous, why is it? It just brings people down. So that mindset's got to be broken. If my father's house, there's more, there are servants living better than I, is exactly what the prodigal said. So think about this. A lot of times we think certain things can break a poverty mindset. We think about it we're like, well, if I got a, a job change, that still won't change it. Our government has proved the more it tries to help out the poor, the worse it's getting. I mean, it's just true. I mean, everybody's trying to help it, and it continues to get worse. They, they, they want to take way more from those managing well and give to those that don't even want to manage. Don't hear those people well deserving of it. But in the kingdom is the only thing, and if you study kingdoms, those that manage well get more. But in a democracy, those that don't manage at all seems to get more out of the government. See, we cannot look at the kingdom of God from democracy level. It don't matter what all of the, that you stand on, whether you don't even stand with one on one side or you don't like any of it. It doesn't matter. Only God can change the mindset of poverty. Only God can give us a mindset of the king. But he wants to bring us in a land that's overflowing. We have to break the poverty spirit, and everyone hates the pig pen. Proverbs 10 and 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So when God blesses you, it is to make you rich. Now, we're talking about true riches. We looked at that last week. True riches. True riches, I'll tell you to me, I can tell you scripturally too, I believe it lines up with scripture, is to have your needs met and even more. True riches to me is having good friends. I was thinking, I was looking out at our 9 o'clock service, doing the same thing this time because just on my mind, I look out and I'm like, this is one of the most honoring churches, not, by, not because I pastor, but it doesn't matter who we bring in to preach or what we're doing. We honor what we're doing. We have a culture of honor here. 
That is something that's very needed in society. We are blessed with that. To me, friends, true friends, it's got my back. I got theirs. That's honorable. Having family, that's honorable. Those are good things, and those are true riches. Yeah, go ahead. Give the Lord praise today. Go ahead. There's people that do get wealth without God. I understand that. And some of them are thrilled and happy about it. I've seen some of the most miserable people I have met are people that are wealthy without God. They are just, they're just searching for it everywhere. And maybe they've done it the right way, but still yet they are miserable. I love that Solomon says that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. In other words, when God blesses like that, there's not sorrow with it. When God's blessing comes in your life, it automatically brings favor and prosperity to your life. Listen, as long as you don't pursue prosperity with the, just for the sake of prosperity, then you'll stay away from sorrow. But if prosperity comes because you're just managing wealth and you're seeking first the kingdom of God, I'm telling you, there's nothing but joy and happiness with that kind of life. See, God is saying, don't run after wealth, but run after me is what God's saying. Wealth will find you. If extreme wealth needs to find you, God will get it there because of the way you've managed. But it's not going to be wealth that you're seeking. It's going to be God that you're seeking and managing what you do really well. See, oftentimes when you get saved, the first battle you have is to trust God. You've got to trust him through wilderness moments. I believe the moment we get saved, we're, uh, we, we have that few good weeks or a few good months, a season there that's great. But then after that, the wilderness comes, we're trusting God. Our mind is all messed up. We're thinking bad things. We're trying to stay away from bad things. We're like, this whole thing's crazy. And maybe even financially we're struggling. Whatever it may be, we're trying to believe God with all this. How do we begin learning that God's our provider? According to Scripture, one thing that breaks greed really quick has been a tither. It's already God. You just got to bring it to him. By tithing, you're declaring that God is going to provide, that God's supernatural blessing on 90% goes further than the 100% you manage it. By you not being a tither, you're saying you manage it better than what God would. See, the miracles that God performed in the wilderness were meant to sustain them. Water, fire by night, cloud by day, manna, quail. They had to learn to walk with God with just enough. If they tried to save some, what happened? When they tried to save manna for the next day, they're like, I'm putting a few of these cookies. We'll call them cookies, but it's manna, it's bread, okay? Call them put a few of these cookies in my pocket. No one will know about it. I'm going to eat it tomorrow morning for breakfast. They'd wake up, and it would have worms. Only on the sixth day could they gather enough for the seventh day. Because God wanted them to find a place of rest. Rest in the Old Testament was a day. Rest today in our Sabbath now is times in God's presence. I do believe God wants us to honor time off. God does want us to have a break. God does want you to take a day off because it's very healthy for you to do so. But God left his kids in the wilderness 40 years until they learned to trust him. We cannot afford 40 years or even a year in the wilderness. I want to get this thing right. I don't want to spend my life on dread religion or just a good church service that gets me through for a moment. But the same thing's attacking me again tonight as it was last night. I want to invest my life into the kingdom. And I want to know more about making a difference. Each miracle God performed was for their advancement. Anybody can snatch, but real maturity is found in your ability to live open-handed. God, it's yours. Where do you want it to go? This is yours. Now give him praise. Don't pat a cake on me. 
closed fist living is greed and poverty living. You can have millions of dollars and never give to anybody, but have a poverty mindset. If you don't have money in your bank account, don't mean that you're poor. It just means you're broke. Difference. I know none of y'all has ever been there either. Just me. Me and my shoes today. See, it's not about what we believe, but it's about what we do as well. It's not just about what we believe, but it's about what we do. The Apostle Paul said, trust God, do good things, be generous, be willing to share. Now, I want to look at Malachi again. I know I've looked at it each week, but I want, I've been taking different words and giving you different things out of Malachi. Okay, Malachi 3 and 10 says this, bring all the tithes in the storehouse, not where you want to. He said, you bring where I say, because it's mine. You, you're not supposed to choose that. He says, there may be food in my house. Try me on this, says the Lord. If not, I will open the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing. I want you to look at that word, such blessing. That there will not be room enough to receive it. Bring tithe because it belongs to God. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is just bringing to God what's his. What you do beyond the tithe is what's considered as generosity. Jesus said, if you cannot be faithful in the material riches that I that, that has already been placed to you, then I cannot trust you with true riches. We looked at that last week. What are the true riches? I believe true riches, I gave you a few of them for me, but those things I gave you just a moment ago, I believe with all my heart is the supernatural power of God flowing through my life, my natural life. The friends I have, I count it as a godsend. My church, I count you guys as a godsend. My life groups that I'm in and the ones I've served with you before in and attend, I count as a godsend. True riches will empower you to break free from bondage, addiction, addiction, toxic relationships, all of those things. But if you can't handle the natural riches, God says, I can't give you my true riches. Why? It'd be like we would be trying to sell true riches if God just gave it to us. Well, I won't sell you this. If he, he let us be born with it, we'd be trying to sell true riches and all that supernatural blessing. Kind of like the guy in the New Testament that seen the apostles doing all these miracles. He said, how much can I pay for that, to have that? Like, you got to give your life to Christ. You got to serve the Lord. You got to see first the kingdom. And it can't be all just about the power. It's got to be about relationship with God and seeking him. See, money's not evil, but it's the love of money that's the root of it, all evil. God doesn't want to be what's left. In your life. God wants to be first in everything. He is a jealous God. He doesn't want to be leftovers. But he wants to be what's first. See the enemy wants to keep you in anxiety stress. When it comes to money. Why? Because it robs you of your creativity. God wants to bless you. So that you can have creative God sent ideas. With your finances. People talk about all this. Get rich quick thing. How many of y'all, I never invested in one of these, but I've heard these stories. There's a secret stock out there. If you invest in it, it's going to hit big and no one knows about it. I want to look at it and say, how do you know about it? <laughs> I'm like, that's a guarantee not to invest. Here's what I'm really trying to get to today, and it's a lot to build to to get to just this moment. We think about blessing, we normally connect it with an action. If I were to bless someone, I might give them a gift. I might give them handshake money. I might pay for their dinner. We think action. In both Malachi and Proverbs, blessing 
is not a verb. It's not God doing something to you. Every time you see the word blessing connected to giving and tithing today, it's a noun. Now, according to my elementary school education, a noun is a person, place, or thing. I believe it is to yours, too. If you missed that, I'm sorry. You got it today. God did not say, tithe, and I will bless you. God says, tithe, and I will pour you out such a blessing. In other words, God's talking about putting a blessing on you. In other words, there is this thing. There is something about that God wants to put on you. There is a blessing with your name on it. But God wants you to wear it. It's something that you put on. It's something that God actually puts on you. So we have to understand that heaven and hell enter earth through people. We know that. Bad things happen because hell is a big influence in the earth. The prince and the power of the air. But also good things happen to the earth. Godly things. And the kingdom moves and shakes through people that God is blessing and moving his spirit through. I were to tell you today we were under an open heaven or you were under an open heaven, you wouldn't just think about money. And then that's the thing. When God says that he'll open up the windows of heaven, it's deeper than your finances. It is your relationships. It is your friendships. I mean, that was one of the biggest things Chris and I talked about when we met. I said, listen, I know that you're a church-going girl. She's a really good girl, probably one of the best people I've ever met is my wife. I, I'll tell, my brother says that, probably one of the most, she's just a good person. And I'm like, you know, she's a way better person than me. I was like, you might find me doing that, but you won't find her doing that. Uh, but when we met, one thing we talked about was tithing. This is a big deal for me because I've never made a dollar I haven't tithed. I was raised in a home with that, and I've always been blessed, and I've always had favor. Even when I was 18, 19 years old. I had favor at jobs and places and positions I'd have to say no to because I knew God wasn't in it. But it, the world tried to take it. And the world would try to use your gift and make you so busy that you can't give anything to the kingdom. Don't allow that to be your life today. See, God is connected to the full expression of who he called you to be. See, if you're stuck right now in a place you feel boxed in, I would want to be under an open heaven. And be a tither. I want to read this scripture to you. My last scripture today. Deuteronomy 28. Now it shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. To observe carefully his commandments. With all that I command you today. He says this. That the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. Now listen to this. He said. And these blessings shall come upon you. And overtake you because you obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. He said, we, we, we love shouting these verses. We got songs with them. Blessed shall you be in the city. And blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be in the fruit of your body. And the, produce, and the produce of your ground. And the increase of your herds. And the increase of your cattle. And the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and kneading bowl. Blessed shall be when you come in. And blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies, now I love this, your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face, they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. He said the enemy that comes against you, they may come in this route, but God's like, this thing I'm putting on you, this blessing is so bad and so awesome, the enemy's going to disperse seven ways. He said the Lord will command the blessing on you and your storehouses. 
to all that you set your hand to, that the Lord your God, that he will bless your life and your land that he's given you. But there's big word here to all this is the word if. Are we going to be part of the covenant agreement with God? God, you can do it better than me, so I'm just going to bring it to you, and I'll be in covenant of the open heaven because he said when we bring it to him that he would open up heaven and he would pour us out such a blessing not just to you but on you that it's something that you wear because it's a noun all right i'll do something a little bit different today Bethany, will you come help me put your headset down so i don't kill the ears of the people up at the sound booth just hang with me okay I did this to my son by 9 a.m. God gave me this idea yesterday, but he said, do this on a smaller person, okay? So I want you to face the congregation. All you got to do is just look at them. You don't even have to smile. I know they're hard to look at. My first time tithing, I was 12 years old. First time tithing that I had when I, I, I mowed grass from the time I was 12. The people I mowed grass for would feel sorry for me because I was so little. I was like eight, I was little. I could barely hold up the weed eater, push the lawnmower. There's times my dad was big enough, he'd keep watch on me if it was for a neighbor. He'd come over and have to bail me out sometimes because I'd be just struggling, just a little guy. But when I was 16, I got my first job at Hardee's. I haven't ate there since. <laughs> Add that to your advertisement. We need Arby's back there. I'm joking, okay. I remember when there was Arby's in Chattanooga. But I, my first taxes withheld, I, I tied that year. And what I tied that year is at the end of the year, of course, didn't make a lot of money. I was making like four and a quarter or three seventy-five an hour or something crazy like that. But I wanted to work. My mom and dad didn't make me work. I wanted to work. But I got back in a tax refund what I tied that year. And I was like, this thing really works. But I didn't realize until this past week when studying out this message that that word blessing that God keeps connecting to Tithing is a noun and not a verb. I didn't realize that. I learned something this week. And when I seen that, I was like, that means God puts a blessing on you. And he's not doing something to you. We think God's going to do something to us. No, it's what God puts on your life. Even when you don't feel him, he's doing it. So at a young age, I was probably shorter than you. First time I tithed. God put on something, a big jacket like this. It didn't look like it fit. I had to mature in it and grow in it. 18 or 19, because of the favor, things came my way that I knew I couldn't handle. I wouldn't have served the Lord with my best ability to go in those areas that I knew. I knew me. That as a young man, I wouldn't survive in those places. But I said, got to listen to what God's telling me to do. What's God's telling me to do? What's God telling me to do? What's he telling me to do? All right? So I would hear that and I would do that. But God gave me favor. So, such crazy places. Before that job I told you about with all the management opportunities, I worked night shift at Walmart. I thought I was big stuff, man. Went to a pay raise from a gas station to that. And don't get me wrong, back then that was good money, what I was making. And I ain't, I'm not putting down those jobs, but I really thought I had arrived. But I didn't know it was just the beginning. My job there was so difficult. I had a guy there, I told him, this, he was probably, he was the size of Tony. Tony's on stage earlier. He's the size of Tony. And I said, and he had muscles like Tony. I said that too, so I'm going to give him props again. He had muscles like Tony. And I was just a little guy. This guy would get stock boxes, and I'm talking about they weighed between 40 and 60 pounds. He tried to knock me down with it. He didn't like me. I don't know why he didn't like me. Try to knock me down all the time. I just took it. The harder he would throw it, the 
The more I'd grace myself catching, throwing that thought, it didn't bother me. Did I want to fight him? Yes, but I knew I wouldn't win. But I prayed about it. God says, just wait on it. One night I walk in, he comes in bawling, I lead him to the Lord, talking about favor. Never had a job site that didn't lead someone to the Lord or God used in a way like that. Because God gives you favor in every room that you walk in. Why? Because he puts on blessing on your life. That when you walk in the room, if you'll just be who you are and be true to God, you'll develop friends you never thought you'd develop. You'll get raises you thought you would never get. You'll see provision like you never thought you would. I will tell you this, my life in the last year has been the most ridiculous, blessed thing that I have ever seen. I can't even make it up. I look at Chris and I, I can't make it up. It makes no sense, but it shouldn't when God's supernatural power is upon you. Now, why'd you put the jacket on her? Well, you all remember Joseph, the coat of many colors. His daddy gave him because he's more favorable than the other kids. I'll tell you this, to the other humanity in the land, the tither has on a coat. A lot of people are disliked that has that favor. You don't know why. Why don't they like me? God's put favor. They don't even know why they don't like you. But here they are attacking him in every way. Sell him off, put him in a pit, but all because he had on a coat. But then God began to speak to him with that coat on. Revelations and dreams began to come to him that was not of him. That was prophetic for how he was going to save a nation. And not only save a nation, he didn't know what they meant, but would save his own family that would sell him off into slavery. God has put on a coat on you. When you bring the tithe to him, there's an open heaven. He doesn't do it to you, but he puts it on you. It makes no sense why you got good friends. It makes no sense why your job is good. It makes no sense why others lose their job, but you keep your. makes no sense how God continues to provide. It makes no sense how you got in that room when no one else could. It's called favor, blessing. You've done a good job. Thank you. God simply wants to put blessing on you. Doesn't make sense to tithe in the natural. Well, how in the world am I supposed to do that? That's too much money. Listen, as long as you think like that, it will be. But I'm telling you, God will do things that doesn't make sense to do what you like. He'll bless your family in ways that you've never seen. He'll bring favor upon your kids. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.